Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. I want to share an update with you on Easter Sunday. Just a glorious day. Last week as we celebrated Jesus being alive and paying the price for our sins. And I just want to give you a little bit of an update. After all three gatherings, we saw 1,306 people walk through the doors of our church. That's a record attendance for us. That's a big number, and I want to thank you for being here and for inviting. That's a lot of people to walk through the doors of this place. And if you were here at either 9.30 or 11 o'clock, you know we were very packed. And I would encourage you, some, some of you 11 o'clockers, you might want to consider 8 o'clock. Now, I, I know it's a little early in the morning, but there's, there's good room there. We're, we're full here today. Good to see a great crowd. There's good room at 8 o'clock. You can stretch out. You can put your feet up if you want to do that. So please take advantage of 8 o'clock where there's a little more room. But 1,306 people, that's incredible. So many guests for the first time experience Valley Point on Easter. And here's the best news. Between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we saw 11 people. They indicated this on their connection card that they trusted in Jesus alone to save them for the very first time. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's good news. So we have new believers, new followers of Jesus, and we're very excited for them. And for anybody else who maybe made that decision last Sunday and didn't indicate that on the card, that's okay. They belong to God, and we want to encourage you in every possible way. But just a fantastic Easter for us. From my heart to yours, I want to thank you for attending. There's other things you could be doing, but you came last Sunday. You're here today. Thank you for making this a priority. Thank you for inviting as well. I know so many of you are diligently working at bringing your family members and your friends and you're extending those invites consistently. I love hearing the stories about how you're inviting. So thank you for inviting. And I also want to thank you for creating a welcoming atmosphere where our guests feel like they can belong. Some of you know this. Going to a church for the first time is kind of a weird experience. It's a little strange, like what's going to happen to me and what are they going to do and what are people going to say to me? And that can be very intimidating. But I do think here at Valley Point, we've tried to de-weird that a little bit and just make it nice for people to come, to sit, to relax, to enjoy a cup of coffee, to sing a little bit, to listen to God's word. And you have worked very hard at creating that kind of welcoming atmosphere. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Can I share something with you? I actually shared this at the volunteer night a few weeks ago when we got our volunteers together and we're talking about launching the three gatherings. And I shared this. I said, there is a lot of joy here at Valley Point Church. There's a lot of joy when we gather and when we meet. And I don't ever want to underestimate the power of joy and what that does for people. I see joy in your smiles. 
Nobody's smiling right now, so go ahead and do that, right? That's your cue. I see joy in your smiles. I do, and it's beautiful. I see joy in how you greet people. I also see joy in how you treat people here each and every Sunday and also throughout the week. The joy that is present here at Valley Point Church is making a difference. It's making a big difference. And you need to know that you're contributing to that. Thank you very much. Let's keep that going, okay? It's great. All right, before we jump into scripture and talk about personal purpose and what that means for all of us, I'd like to invite you just to pray with me. Will you do that? Father, we step into your presence in this moment, and we quiet our hearts, and we push out of our minds all of the activities of this past week and the plans we have for today and for tomorrow, this week, this month. Help us to push all of that to the side. And just look to you for a few moments. God, we're going to look into your word here. I pray that you would use that to challenge us, to change us, to convict us if necessary. God, I pray that we would all walk out of here willing to do whatever it is that you place upon our hearts and whatever it is that you whisper into our hearts. God, help us to be ready to step into that. God, we're talking about something today that often has a very selfish focus. And we want to think about this in a different kind of way where we shift the focus of purpose away from me and onto others and how we can serve people. So help our hearts to be soft. Help us to listen. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are currently in a series called At a Cost. And we're looking at things that have a price tag attached to them. And we're considering the cost. This is our series throughout the entire month of April. So today we're talking about things that cost. Next week we'll do that. On the 22nd and the 29th, we'll wrap up talking about things that cost. By the way, the word cost can be defined as the price paid to acquire, produce, accomplish, or maintain something. And I think that makes sense to most of us. If if something costs, well, that's the price paid to acquire, produce, accomplish, or maintain something. Last week, we talked about the cost of redemption. What is the price tag to redemption? What is the price tag for salvation? Well, the price tag is actually very high, and the good news we discovered last week is that Jesus was willing to pay that high price for each and every one of us by coming and living and dying and rising again. It was a high cost for Jesus, but yet he was willing to do that out of his deep love for you and for me. Redemption, it comes at a cost. Again, the great news there is Jesus was willing to pay that price for us. That was last week, redemption or 
salvation at a cost. Just so you know where we are going for the rest of the month, I want to lay out the next few weeks for you so you have an idea of what we're going to be discussing. Today we're going to talk about purpose at a cost. And again, there's kind of a unique twist to that. There is a catch to purpose. There is a cost to purpose. And we'll discuss that in just a few moments. The week after that, we'll talk about right thinking at a cost. And then on the 22nd, marriage at a cost. And we're not talking just about the price tag of getting married on that day. We're going to talk about the price of maintaining a thriving and a lifetime marriage. That certainly comes at a cost, and we're going to discuss that. And then we'll wrap up the series on the last Sunday of the month by talking about parenting and grandparenting and how that comes at a cost as well. All of these things cost. There's a price tag to each and every item. Redemption, purpose, right thinking, marriage, and parenting. There is a cost to every single one of these items. But I would submit to you that these items are worth it. They're worth it. Occasionally, we have to remind ourselves that things that are worth it are often work and they come at a cost. So here's our month, redemption, purpose, right thinking, marriage, and parenting, and grandparenting at a cost. I think we're going to learn quite a bit together. Today, though, I want to focus on purpose at a cost. What does that mean exactly? One of the things I have discovered is that many people, I would say most people, at some point begin to wrestle with, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And that normally comes out in questions like, why do I exist? And what am I doing? And what is the purpose of my life? What is it pointing toward? And I think we often ask, what is the purpose of my work? And what is it pointing toward? So purpose, I think many, if not most of us, are thinking about this quite a bit, and it comes out in the questions, why am I here? What am I doing? What about my work? What about my life? Is it accomplishing anything at all? These are all questions related to purpose. They're good questions, but I don't know if they are the best questions to ask because I don't know if those kinds of questions get us to true and lasting purpose. Again, there's a catch or a cost to purpose, which we will discuss. Here's our big idea for today, and I would encourage you now to take out your talk notes and fill in some of these blanks. Here we go. There is more to finding purpose than just me, okay? That's certainly part of it. There is a me component to purpose, and we've got to think through that. But there is more to finding purpose than just me, and I want to think through that now. About two months ago, I listened to a podcast from pastor, author, and leader Andy Stanley. And as I was looking at the different titles of his different podcasts, I came across this one entitled, The Complexity of Purpose. 
And that struck me as kind of interesting because I like thinking about purpose and what is my purpose and what am I supposed to be doing and how does that intersect with my work and my family. I I really like thinking through all of this. So the complexity of purpose, it caught my attention. So I got my computer on a day where I was on my exercise bike, right? I hate my exercise bike by the way. I just hate it, but, you know, I'm trying to keep the blood pressure down, and you got to exercise 30 minutes and do the healthy thing. So, all right, we pull out the exercise bike, but I can't just ride for 30 minutes. I need to watch something or listen to something. So, I got my computer, and I pulled up the complexity of purpose. Like, this will be interesting, and this will fill my 30 minutes. So, I started doing the whole bike thing and the exercising thing. I'm listening to Andy talk about the complexity of purpose, and it was absolutely fascinating. I loved it. It was so fascinating that I stopped exercising. (laughs) And I got a donut, and I began to take notes. All right, because you can always exercise later, but this is really good information. And so, I got some paper, and I began to write some things down, and I want to share that with you now. So this content is not all original to me, but I do believe that you'll find it to be very helpful as we consider purpose. And there is a catch, there is a cost to it, it's complex. It's not as easy as we may think. So let's consider this. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Psalm chapter 71. We're going to read several verses from this great chapter. The book of Psalms is an Old Testament book. It's found at about the halfway mark of your Bible. So if you open it up to the halfway spot and turn to the right a little bit, eventually you will find chapter 71. Now, biblical scholars do not have any type of idea or any real clarity on who wrote this particular chapter. Some think it may have been King David. Some people think it was the prophet Jeremiah. We don't know. What we do know is this lament, and that's really what it is. It's a cry to God. It's a prayer. This psalm, this lament, is the expression of faith in God by an older person. So we don't know who the author is, but what we do know is that they're crying out. They're giving this lament from a stage of life where they are a bit older and mature. How old? We have no idea. No idea. We just know that they're a little bit older, and as they reflect, they talk about the faithfulness of God and how he has been trustworthy, and they just begin to recount all of this as they consider their faith journey. So that's what we know about the psalm, written by an older person. We don't know who it is, but they are in a stage of life where they are wise and mature. Let me just pause here for a moment and affirm those of you in the room and those watching online who are older. How much older? I don't know. I tend to get myself into trouble when I define that, so I'll let you categorize yourself and you determine if you are older or mature or wise, whatever you want to do there. But if that is you, if you are older, thank you for being here. And I sincerely mean that. Thank you for being here. I can't describe to you your value and your worth to Valley Point Church and to this faith community. 
So if that's you, thank you for being here. I can't describe it. It's an indescribable kind of thing. There's no words to attach to how valuable you are to this church. Often when I talk to people about Valley Point and I say, here's a little bit of what we are like, I will often point to this as a great strength of our church. And I honestly believe it to be one of our strengths. And that is there are generations who worship here. Generations. So we're not just one age group. There are very young kids here, and there are older people here, and everything in between. And I think that is absolutely beautiful. So this is written from the perspective of someone who's a little further along in, the, in life. They've had the chance to reflect a bit and consider the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God, and they're recounting that, and it begins to drip with personal purpose. And they say some fantastic things, like, verse 5, here it comes. O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from childhood. Yes, you have been with me from birth, From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life, here's what it is. It's an example to many because you have been my strength and protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. Imagine that. That's why I can never stop praising you. And here's what else I do. I declare your glory all day long. Verse 15. I will tell everyone about your righteousness. All day long, I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. I will praise your mighty deeds, O sovereign Lord. I will tell everyone that you alone are just. O God, you have taught me from my earliest childhood, and I constantly, it's a great word, I constantly tell others about the wonderful things that you do. Let's pause here for just a moment. What's happening? Well, we have an older author looking back on their life and recounting, God, you have been with me from my childhood and I have been able to trust you and now I want to proclaim your goodness and your good deeds all day long. That's one of the things that's happening in Psalm 71. And I think that's the first thing that jumps immediately off the page, and that's what's going on. It's an older person reflecting, and that's wonderful and good, and there's some warm sentiments here, and that's wonderful, fantastic news. I think what's bubbling underneath all of this, though, is personal purpose, And the psalmist begins to push on that and begins to talk about that, but they do it in a way that's kind of different. And here's what I mean by that. The writer, again, an older person reflecting on their life, they begin to say, and they begin to replace, what am I here for with whom am I here for? And we're going to come back to that phrase in just a moment and unpack that a little bit. But they kind of move away from me and they begin to focus on other people. Perhaps this is one of the beautiful things about aging. 
about growing old and becoming mature is that there is a change of focus often, and certainly not in every person, but often there is a change of focus where purpose moves away from me. And some of you are nodding your head because you are mature and you are wise and you understand this and you're probably living this way. That's what the writer begins to say. And they go on in verse 18. Personal purpose kind of sounds like this. Now that I am old and gray. I didn't even know that was funny. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Right? Some of you have cried that, I'm sure. And, and here it comes, just dripping with personal purpose. And it's, it's not about me. It's not about what am I here for, but whom am I here for. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Now, here's the catch or the cost of purpose. It seems that true purpose is often found just across the border of what's in it for me. Or perhaps it's found just across the table of what's in it for me. But this is often how it starts, right? Actually, the topic of purpose may not even begin there. I think when we're young, we look at purpose and say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for purpose. That will come later, but I just don't have time for that. I've got to pay bills. I need to eat, and I need to live indoors. That's kind of the priority right now. And purpose, you know, that's something that will come a little bit later. But inevitably, what happens for every single person is that later does arrive. It comes at some point. And often with later, there is greater responsibility. Often there's marriage, and there may be a child or two or three or four or or five or whatever that looks like for you. And all of a sudden, there are these little individuals looking to you to make very wise decisions. It's an interesting thing to consider we begin thinking, what is my purpose? And so here we have, again, an older person kind of looking back and saying, it's not about what, it's about whom. Later comes more responsibility, kids, and we begin asking, what's my purpose? What am I here for? And what am I supposed to be doing? Again, I would submit to you, I think those are the wrong questions. They're not bad questions. Then we probably need to consider that at some point. But the better question is not what am I here for, but whom am I here for? And what the psalmist did and what many of you with age and wisdom and maturity have done is you've gotten into that lane. You have replaced what with whom. And when we reframe purpose that way and begin asking, not what am I here for, but whom am I here for, all of a sudden I think personal purpose becomes a little more dynamic because it has this this outward focus, which is a great thing. So let me try to make more sense of this with our takeaways. Here we go. Number one, life is filled with mundane things, right? So find purpose in the mundane. 
it seems that a lot of life is just kind of boring, right? You kind of get up, you go to work, you do your thing, you come back, and you do that again several days in a row, and then you get a little break, and then you start that all over again, and then you get another break, and then you start that all over again, and then you go on a vacation, and that feels really good, but then you come back, and you do the same kind of boring things, right? A lot of life is very mundane, but in the mundane, we have to find a purpose, and so we have to reframe the mundane a little bit. I often get the chance to talk to people about their jobs. And often people will say, yeah, I don't know if I like my job that much. It has no purpose. It has no purpose. It's just kind of boring, something I have to do. Well, in that situation, sometimes you have to reframe that a little bit because if you're eating and paying bills and living indoors, Your job has a great purpose. And sometimes we have to reframe it that way a little bit and find purpose even in the mundane. So you don't just manage money. You don't just sell things. You don't just teach. You don't just organize. You don't just parent. You don't just whatever you want to put in there. There is purpose to all of that. And we have to find purpose in the mundane Parents, let me talk to you for just a moment, because often parenting can be overwhelming, and I'm certainly living this and challenging, and you don't often see a lot of purpose in these busy days where you're running around, and there's all kinds of activity, and there's noise, and you just wonder if it will ever end. You wonder that. So parents, the most purposeful thing you may give the world is not something you do but someone you raise, okay? And this is the catch. This is the cost of purpose. Sometimes we get very consumed with here's what I'm doing and what I'm achieving and here's my goals. And again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but when we repurpose the mundane, all of a sudden things become a little clear and we have this sense of here's where I am going. So parents, the most purposeful thing you may give the world is not what you do or give or achieve or invent. It may be someone you raise. So again, all of a sudden we get the chance to look into all of this parenting stuff with a lot more purpose. Find purpose in the mundane, do that. Number two, build a personal purpose statement with an outward focus. And I would encourage everybody to take time and do that today. What is your personal purpose statement? Why are you here and for whom do you exist? Think through that and wrestle with it. That'd be a great exercise for you to do today. So here's the thing. On our staff team, we've been walking through a book called Dare to Serve. It's written by the CEO of Popeyes, and she just does a fantastic job of talking about purpose in such a way that it pushes it outward. And in the book, we walk through this exercise where she encourages, throughout my life, my work experiences and my life experiences have been this. And so you jot down, you know, here's my life track and here's what's happened to me and here's my work and other things that have impacted who I am today. And then after that, she encouraged us to write down your top three values you know, what, what do you value as an individual? And so we had the chance to write that down. And then we wrote down our strengths. 
And I'm sure many of you have done a strengths finder assessment or something else that spits out for you. Here's where you really excel. So we wrote down some of those things in there. And then the whole personal purpose begins to change here. Because what she did is she said, I want you to write down your personal purpose for leadership and then how that personal purpose for leadership impacts your organization and impacts other people around you. And so we wrestled with all of that. And I've written personal purpose statements before, but I'll be honest, a lot of that was really focused on me and my goals and what I wanted to achieve. And so this was a great exercise, and I kind of recrafted a better personal purpose statement that I think has a focus on others. And so I'm going to share it with you. Here it is. My personal purpose, or why I believe I'm here on the earth, it's mobilizing the church to be a joyous and godly presence where we live, work, and play. And I think that's why I'm here. And what I want to give my time to and my best efforts to mobilizing the church, mobilizing Valley Point. This is the church I love and where I serve and where I work and we labor together to reach the communities around us. And so I want to mobilize us to be a joyous and godly presence where we live, work, and play. Hopefully you've heard me use that phrase a little bit, where we live, work, and play. We gotta be on mission there. We gotta let people know that we care about them and love them. We gotta be kind to them, all of that, right? Be a godly and joyous presence where we live, work, and play. This is my purpose. And then I boiled that down to two words, because sometimes a big sentence is hard to remember and we just stick that somewhere and, you know, I've got a personal purpose in a book. I can't find the book, so I don't know what it is anymore. So I kind of boiled it down to two words. Here it is. Encourage people. Encourage people. And I hope, as God gives me health and strength and passion, that I'll use the rest of my days to do just that to encourage people to mobilize the church to be a godly and joyous presence where we live, work, and play. This new personal purpose is helping me focus a little bit more on the outside and a little more on others. I would encourage you, if you want to think less about what am I here for and more about whom am I here for, then craft a personal purpose statement with an outward focus. Number three, Surround yourself with purposeful people. Think about this. If you surround yourself with me people, you will be a me type of person. You'll have to be because that's how you hang with the conversation. It has to be about you. It has to be kind of about what they're discussing. And if you want to hang out in that situation, it really has to be about me. We're kind of forced to do that. It's interesting to me because often we talk to our kids about don't give in to peer pressure and stand up, be yourself, believe in you, you know, all that stuff, which is good. As adults, we give in to peer pressure all of the time, don't we? And if we're around me people, well, all of a sudden, that's what we will become. And so the challenge here is surround yourself with purposeful people. Find people who are saying whom. Not what am I here for, but whom am I here for And I think you'll find yourself living out some great purpose. Number four, ask the question, at the end of your life, what do you want people to line up and thank you for? 
Now, I get this kind of a morbid question on Sunday morning, and we're trying to encourage and bring hope, but death is inevitable for every single one of us. That's going to happen. And so as we consider that day and that moment at the end of your life, what do you want people to line up to thank you for? Somewhere in that answer is purpose. And it's focused on somebody else. I love this quote from Erwin McManus. When we offer ourselves as instruments for God's purpose, we create opportunities for others to experience God through us. And if we have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue us, we should be thinking this way. How can other people experience God through me? Well, I believe that happens in a beautiful way when my personal purpose is not just about me. So purpose, at a cost. At a cost. There's a price for this. And the price is, I have to sacrifice a little bit of me. A little bit of me. But when we do that, I believe we discover great personal purpose that is sustainable and will give us the opportunity to introduce a lot of people to a loving God who has a specific purpose for their lives as well. Father, thank you for Psalm chapter 71, a very interesting lament that we see in Scripture, a cry, a cry from an older person who gets to the end of their life and reflects a little bit on not what they're supposed to be doing, but whom. God, I pray that you'd help all of us to consider that as well. Help us to replace what with whom. God, I pray that you'd give us a desire and an interest in crafting personal mission statements that push us beyond ourselves. God, I think finding purpose begins with me. We're certainly part of the equation. But I think if we're going to introduce a lot of people to a loving God who has a purpose for their lives, at some point we've got to push ourselves outward. So help us to find purpose in the mundane. Help us to craft mission statements with an outward focus. Help us to surround ourselves with people who are asking whom. And God, I pray, I pray in all of this that you would give us opportunities to have great impact knowing that at the end of our lives, we want people to line up and thank us for introducing them to you. That's purpose. Whom? Help us to walk this way throughout the week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.